I am excited about our new series, and I am looking forward to it. We're going to cover some great topics. Why doesn't God answer my prayer? Why do bad things happen to good people? Just a number of questions like that. I promise you that this is a series you will not want to miss. It's going to be a great time and teach us some tremendous things. One of the weeks I think will really blow you out of the water. And so we are looking forward to it. And I would recommend don't miss a single week of this series. And then today we're going to get started with this series by talking about why don't I always feel God? Now, how many of you have ever felt God before? And you can say in a definable way that you have felt God, okay? So really, raise your hand. Let me hear you. If you, if you have felt God before in your life, let, let me hear you. Okay, how many would say that you have felt God in this service today? You can, you can actually feel His presence. Raise your hand, holler something, let me, okay? So we can feel God's presence. But it's so interesting when people begin to talk about what it's like to feel God's presence. And they start to describe it. And they say, well, when I feel God's presence, I get goosebumps all over. You know, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. They never say the top of their head, fortunately. But the hair on the back of their neck stands up and, and these goosebumps. But can I tell you something? My wife sat down by me this week, took my hand, and I got goosebumps, right? I mean, so, so is that really what God's presence is? People say, well, I get this, I get this sense of, of warmth. It just comes over me when, when God is present, I just feel warm. Do you know that you can feel the same sensation? Use, I hear this by rumor, that you can get the same sensation by using the restroom in a pool, right? I mean, I've heard that. I don't know if it's true. Honestly, I've just heard it. That you can get that from, from that as well. Or how about people say, man, when I feel the presence of God, I cry. And over the years, when people become Christ followers and begin to attend church, they will commonly say to me, why is it that every week I come in here, I begin to cry? So it's legitimate that many times when we feel the presence of God, we just begin to cry. But do you know, a couple weeks before we moved here, my wife was making dinner, and I heard her sniffling, and I'm like, did I upset her? What's going on? And, and I said, are you crying? And she said, kind of. I'm cutting the onions, and my nose is running, and my eyes are watering. And so, you know, we, we, we talk about these things in sensing God and His presence, but we get those same types of things in other ways in our lives. And how about the person that does not feel God's presence today or has never ever in your life felt God's presence? Is it your fault? I mean, the fact that you would say, I've never felt God, is, is that something you've done wrong? Is it something God has done wrong? If you didn't feel God's presence during worship this morning, does that mean our worship team did something wrong? There's a person that 
over the years, I have shared Christ with many, many times. And I've talked to them about worship and surrendering their life to Christ. And, and they say, you know, I try and try, but quote, I never feel God like other people feel God. So maybe you're over-sensationalizing it. Maybe it's not everything that you've built it up to be in your mind. Maybe it's possible to, to feel God in a way that's different than you've ever anticipated. Maybe you've built up a wall of sin between you and God, and it's, you know, the presence of God. You're just not going to feel it the same when you're consistently choosing a life of sin. Maybe you've built up a wall of bitterness. You're angry with someone, and and. You feel distance from God as a result. Maybe you're tired and fatigued. Do you know that fatigue, physical, emotional, spiritual fatigue, will cause us to feel distance from God? And it's not spiritual, it's practical, it's physical. And so maybe that's your situation this morning. Maybe you've experienced some devastating circumstances. And you say, Pastor, in, in the midst of what I'm walking through, I just, I'm having trouble feeling that God is there. And today we're going to learn from one of the most popular Bible characters of all of them, and his name is David. Now, if you know about the Bible and you know about David, you know that he is one of the main characters and he has done tremendous exploits and they're talked about in Scripture. But on this particular day, in Psalm 13, it's totally different than when we learn that David slayed the giants and when he did all of those great feats for Israel. It's a totally different kind of day. In fact, in Psalm 13, we're going to see David at a very low point in his life. I mean, he is discouraged, he's complaining to God, he's hollering out, God, where are you? Why am I in this situation? And it's important to know that if you study this text, there's no sin attached to this text. So we all know that one of the, the great things David is known for is not only his, his great exploits, but his heart for God and the sin that he temporarily fell into. But he's not in this situation because of that sin. So he's calling out to God and, and he's talking about this low place that he's in. And in this particular psalm, he's complaining that God had long withdrawn himself from David. And he prays for comfort. And as the text goes on, he prays this prayer of assurance or he claims this, this answer of peace. And if you don't always feel God around you, if you don't always feel or sense his presence, I want you to know this morning that you're not alone. Sometimes we think that when we're in these situations, we're the only one that's ever gone through that. But it's not true. Even the great people of faith throughout Scripture, both Old and New Testament, have gone through all types of, of the things that we walk through. So let's look at this text and observe a few of the things that David felt when he was far away from God. Psalm 13, it reads like this. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me. Lord, give me light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall or fail. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And I will sing the Lord's praise. For he has been good to me. So what do you do when you don't feel God? We see some great things from David here. And the first one is that David chooses to be honest with God. Listen more closely as I read verses 1 through 4 again. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. When you don't feel God, the best thing that you can do is be honest with God. And share your feelings. One of the things we do when we pray, we tend to make all of these requests. And our prayer time is just filled with, Lord, give me this. I need this. I want that. It's just filled with these types of things. But sometimes we forget just to be honest with God. Now get this. In David's honesty, his transparency with God, just saying, God, this is where I'm at. I mean, I am down low. I am, uh, you know, sometimes they, they say I'm in deep weeds, okay? That's where I am, God, in, in deep weeds, and I can't sense you anywhere. His transparency leads to his transformation. Are you with me? When you are transparent with God, it can lead to your transformation and a change in your life. But if you keep secret, yeah, it's okay. that's good. You can clap. You, did you guys know you can clap in church? That's good. I don't know what you usually do around here. This is only my third week. But if I'm preaching good, you can respond. If I'm bad, you can respond, uh, throw something. But get my attention. Tell me I'm bad. But if I'm preaching good, I want something to be responded to. And your transparency will lead to your transformation. It's just something that is going to, to happen. So David begins to deal with his distance from God. He confesses the feeling that he's been forgotten. God, where are you and why aren't you changing my circumstances? Have you forgotten me? And he confesses the emotional state of his heart, which is really loneliness. Because he's on the run. Nobody is paying him any attention, and even God now, he believes, has turned his back on him. He confesses the victory of his enemies or the potential victory of his enemies over his life. 
And he doesn't deny feeling this despair. And I want you to notice something in this text. When David is transparent with God, and he says, God, you are nowhere to be found in my life. I cannot even feel you here today. Do you, do you notice that he's not struck dead? Do you notice that there's no lightning that comes out of the sky and strikes him dead? And, and God says, how dare you talk to me that way? I'm the great I am. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. How dare you? There's none of that. Do you know why? Because God's big enough to handle your transparency. God is big enough to handle your transparency. In fact, he wants it. Now, I believe that God is someone we should re be reverent of. I believe that God is holy. I believe that God is powerful. But I also believe that he already knows where we are, and it's to our benefit to say it. It's to our benefit. Think of it if, if you got married and, and you said on, when you made your wedding vows, I love you, honey. And, and, and then, you know, 10 years into your marriage, your wife says, hey, you know, you don't say that, that you love me. And I'm, I'm wondering what's going on. Well, I told you at our wedding day, if anything changes, I'll let you know, right? No, it's good for us. To share that, it makes a difference, and God is able to handle our transparency. And so the second thing that David does is he chooses to trust God. Verse 5, the first part of verse 5, But I trust in your unfailing love. I trust in your unfailing love. I want to break this down, just that little section. It starts with the word but, which is tremendously important. It's kind of like the word if. So much hinges on the word if. If I will do that. If I will stop that. If I will pray. If, 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 or therefore. So all of these things that have been said, now I'm going to say something on top of that that's going to be added, that's going to add emphasis. So David says... With all of this that's happening, the fact that I don't even feel God in the least little bit, but I will choose to trust in God. So the second word, I, but I will choose to trust in God. Do you notice that God does not make that choice for you? Your feelings don't have to make that choice for you. The enemy does not make that choice for you. You make that choice. Your parents can't make that choice. Your cousin can't make that choice for you. But I, David said, I will trust in God. Now, his circumstances never changed. Never changed. We don't see his circumstances change in this text at all. But his decision changed. What did he change in his decision? He stopped focusing on the distance of God, and he started focusing on the salvation of God. And as he does, his mind starts to change. You see his attitude change. You see his thoughts begin to change. 
And I want you to know that you have to choose in those dark times. You have to make a choice to trust God, to follow through with him. What are you trusting in? His unfailing love. It's unconditional. Even when you don't feel it, it's there. We'll get to that a little more later. Let's move on. The third thing he does is he chooses faith over feeling. Faith over feeling. The second part of verse 5, he said, My heart rejoices in your salvation. My heart rejoices in your salvation. So he doesn't feel good about this. He doesn't feel that God is close to him. But he starts to rejoice as he makes this choice to to trust in God. He starts to rejoice. He starts to see a positive of God's salvation. And again, this is based on the fact that he made the choice. And so we can waller around in the mud. We can, we can, you know, stay in this condition for a long time. How many of you have ever stayed in that condition far longer than you had to? I mean, you just kind of get comfortable in it, right? And you get this little pity party. Oh, I don't feel God. God doesn't care about me. And you stay in it way longer than you have to because you can make the choice to get out of it. By your decision. And your decision causes you to begin to focus on the things of God's salvation. And he begins to worship. It's a natural response to worship. As he starts to focus on the salvation of God. And notice why he's worshiping God. He's not worshiping God because of what God is doing at the moment. Because he's already proclaimed he doesn't think God is doing anything at the moment. He's not worshiping God because of what God is going to do. He has no promise of what God is going to do specifically. What causes him to worship is when he looks back and he sees all that God has already done. When he sees that God has already done some incredible things, David begins to worship and he says, Oh God, thank you for your salvation. Thank you that I can trust in you. Thank you that you have always come through for me. That in every situation, God always provided for David. And sometimes the strength of our walk with God comes from the fact that we look back at what God has already done. And the more of those times you have in your life, the greater the opportunity to move forward when you're down, when you don't feel God's presence. You can look back and say, you know, I remember when we had this need in our family and it was dark and dry and difficult and God met our need there. And, and then the next time someone was sick or, or we had a financial problem, we never had excess, but God met our need. And you have these milestones in your spiritual life and as you look back at those milestones 
you can worship in the midst of the downtime feeling that God is not there. And it's within our control to make that decision because our salvation, get this, is purchased by Jesus and it's received by faith, not our emotions or our feelings. Our salvation is purchased by Jesus, received by faith and not dictated by emotion or feeling. Whatever you're feeling does not change the reality that you belong to God. And so too many people allow their emotions to take over them and just continue to, to run with that and they're beaten down with it. And God wants to give you a message today that you do not have to live in that place. Finally, David chose to praise God Verse 6 says this, I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. When you start to focus on the salvation of God, when you start to think of all of the great things that God has done in your life, it puts a song in your heart. That's what the Bible says. Even if you don't like to sing, I have a friend who shall remain nameless because this is going to be a disparaging story. And he got saved, radically saved. God just did incredible things in his life. He does not have a musical bone in his body, right? I mean, he has the worst voice. He is completely tone deaf, all right? I can hear the notes but it's like I've gone back into puberty when I try and sing them, and, I, and I'm screeching and scratching, but he can't even hear the notes. But I want to tell you something. In a worship service, he makes a joyful noise. He makes a joyful noise. And he can't sing a lick, and people around him enjoy it because they can sense the joy of his salvation being poured out of his life. And you just can't help but it's some kind of dynamic thing that we just begin to praise the Lord. So remember, David is yelling and hollering at God because God is not present. But you could say that David goes from holla to hallelujah because his attitude changes, right? He goes from holla, God, where are you? To hallelujah, I can feel you, God. I can worship you. I can sense you. I know that you're here. But here's what's interesting to me. David goes through that whole transformation and God never showed up. Did you hear that? David goes through that whole transformation and God never showed up. How could he be joyful? If God never shows up, how are we going to be joyful? I'm going to be like Babe Ruth. How many of you like sports, right? You remember Babe Ruth called his home run. It's, you know, I'm going to be like Babe Ruth this morning. And I'm going to call my shot. 
because I'm going to give you something that I believe is transformational. The reason David could go from holla to hallelujah with God never showing up, it starts with David's attitude, but it's because God didn't have to show up. He was always there. He was always there. David's problem had nothing to do with God. It had everything to do with his humanity. But God was always close to David. And so when he started to focus on all of the times that God had been close to him and God's presence was so faithful, this whole thing turned around in his attitude and nothing changed with God. And if you're sitting here this morning and you say, man, I can't feel God. Pastor, I, I just don't feel God. I can pretty much guarantee you that it's not God. It's probably your humanity. And God is there all of the time. Maybe there's an attitude that you need to change to sense the reality of God's presence. Maybe there's something you need to begin to focus on about God. Maybe you're looking at all of the negatives and God says, hey, remember that? Remember all of these things that I've done for you? Maybe you need to change in that way. I'm going to ask if you would stand. I want to pray, God, all of us have gone through times where we don't feel your presence. We don't feel that God is there. But we know theologically that you are always there, God. You're always with us. But I pray for people today, Lord, who feel powerfully that that. You're just a long way from them. I pray, Lord, that whether it's an attitude that needs to change, whether it's the focus of their mind that needs to change from your absence to your salvation, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would do a dynamic thing in their lives, that they would be able to stand and recognize that you didn't change. You didn't have to come to them because you are with them already. Break through whatever is keeping people from feeling your presence because your presence is great. It's where lives are changed. It's where people are encouraged. It's where victory is won. So I pray that you would do that, God. Would you worship as we sing a final chord?